0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Uh, this episode with Billy Dixon is all about Paris is Bumping, a pay-per-view that comes out this Thursday. I've been hearing about this pay-per-view seemingly for a year. It's been almost a year since uh, this was talked into existence. It's uh, this Thursday night. There's a link to it in the podcast description. Um, Billy is fantastic. If you've ever seen him live, you know who he is because he is a memorable wrestler. Um I've been championing wrestling on this show for a very, very long time. Billy is one of the best in and around the, the DMV. I'm excited for Paris is Bumping this Thursday night. I am not excited about the continuation of the coronavirus. And that is why we now have a Patreon account. Uh, Billy was not able to produce the show live. Nor are we. We are not able to produce this show live. We used to do this show live in front of an audience, and that's how we would pay some bills. Uh, unfortunately, we can pay no bills, and some jobs have gone away. Therefore, we now have a Patreon account. Go to you, me, them, dot com to consider donating. Consider donating, essentially, a beer. If you were going to come to see the show, you might buy a beer. Well, I'm giving five shows a week, and there are no beers. A beer would be cool. It's in the About page. It's also in every podcast description. So is the link to Paris is Bumping. Without further ado, Billy Dixon. I'll start this how I've started most every interview I've done since the middle of March. How has your COVID decade been?
1: You know what? It's funny you mention that because I tell people all the time that this is the decade disguised as a year.
0: Yeah. Um, I hate to be this guy, but pretty good. Why is that um, bad? Why do you hate to be that guy? Don't? Is, shouldn't everyone aspire to be that guy?
1: Well, I mean, you don't want to say, like, I'm having a good time when people are losing their loved ones, losing their jobs, their homes, their their dreams. You know, there are people and colleagues of mine who haven't seen their loved ones in six to seven months because of the travel bans and everything. So, like, I don't want to be like, hi, kind of thriving, kind of has been one of the best years ever for me personally and professionally
0: like i don't want to be a dick the fact that you're only 25 is is impressive to me do you feel like you're at the place you want to be when it comes to professional wrestling
1: um well uh thank you for that first part uh i'm 25 but i literally feel like i'm 58 um just because of life experience and i've always felt like an older soul Am I at the place I want to be in professional wrestling? No, because I don't have a professional wrestling company that is on
0: prime time, giving people what they need to see. Mm-hmm. So, is that why Paris is bumping Will exist in a few days?
1: Um. Yes and no. Uh, so, what I've learned uh, in my career is that if you really like, you really have to be the change that you seek. Uh, I've been really frustrated with, I feel like there's been an overall disrespect to my work, my work ethic, um, what I can contribute to companies, what I have contributed to the business, what business I have drawn. Uh, There are receipts for that since I've started wrestling. And it's hard to feel like for some reason, because I don't necessarily fit into a box that people would like me to fit into, that I can't get access and opportunity um and i also felt like this whole lgbtqia plus pride movement in wrestling uh was very whitewashed was very plain it safe and at the best of cis white dudes and i want our pride to not be watered down for anyone and to not be unapologetically queer so i got r- really stoned watched ecw watched uh memphis and some old school wrestling and then i happened to watch paris's burning and pose all in one night and i had the idea um and i've had the idea for some time not knowing what to call it and then i called it paris is bumping because it just sounded like the right thing and i wanted to create a space where performers that I feel like don't get the recognition they deserve, have a place to just do them. And we share it with the world. And with the streaming platform, IWTV, it creates an equal playing field for talent to get discovered. And it's a necessary platform for real talent to be shown and not agendas pushed by wrestling schools or by companies, but true talent cannot be disputed. So that's what I love about what Paris' bumping is going to do.
0: I heard about this before the... People were talking about this before the pandemic hit, but it seems like of any of the um, made-for-not-alive crowd pay per view since the pandemic hit, this seems ripe for this type of storytelling. Does that make sense?
1: I mean, yeah, so... I announced that the show was going to take place Christmas Day of last year, because I didn't think anybody would really want to to, to watch it or come to it. I was really insecure and really nervous, because you know, I uh, to a lot of people, well, what the fuck? So um, I we put it out there. It got a huge reaction. In um, it got a huge reaction. And it was awesome, and it was planned to be uh, in June two thousand and twenty, um, but didn't happen because of COVID. For those and that I don't know, like-
0: it, for for the June is typically Pride Month uh, around the world. Uh, New York's Pride is in June. DC's Pride is in June. Is that why it was going to be in June?
1: Also June, yes, and also because uh, a friend of mine, John uh, Zitrauer, if I butcher your last name, I apologize, who has come to shows who's a really big supporter of mine, uh, hooked me up with a place called Denizens Brewing Company mm. in Silver Spring, Maryland, that was looking to host uh, new kind of events for their Pride season. And he mentioned me and I explained it to them. And they were uh, initially, initially very shady and very pessimistic until I was just like, please trust me. I know what I'm doing. I know that because I'm 25, I, that means I don't know what I'm doing. But I know that this is a good idea. I know that I know how to draw money. And I know that I know how to bring eyes to your location. And um, they, after a really bad tug of war about getting the show, they allowed it to me. Uh, They allowed me to run. Um, But COVID happened, so we couldn't do it. So that's kind of the story
0: of like part A of this whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on to part B. You do this. It takes – it's not like you're just showing up to a ring and we're, we're hitting record and like the what you see in the crowd is the product this is this is like making a tv show this is like making a film how long did it take to shoot and cut this thing
1: okay so oh also i know you asked about how does this play for storytelling um i would say that it made it easier in many ways and harder in other ways to tell stories mm-hmm. in this kind of uh setting but on to this we uh shot for six hours um, with two breaks because I believe that people should eat and use the restroom. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised how many wrestling shoots don't have breaks. And we edited the show. If I added up all the time, it probably took 20 hours to edit.
0: Okay. And what's the final product? Um, what's the runtime? time?
1: Uh, one hour, 13 minutes, and I want to say 73 seconds.
0: Oh, so it's short and sweet.
1: It's it's a it's a, it's like a I describe it as Memphis meets ECW meets a ABC, ABC after school special meets the MTV Maze.
0: See now that's good for someone like me because I'm a, I'm already watching professional wrestling. I'm watching indie wrestling, but my wife hates this stuff. But I think she would actually dig. Indie wrestling in a local setting, but that's not possible right now. So, this seems like the easiest way to bring someone in that has no interest in watching Raw or SmackDown.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think one of the biggest problems I have with the independence and mainstream wrestling uh, that the pandemic kind of changed was that the shows were just so long. Oh, like God, they were so yeah. long and drawn out, and there wasn't anything captivating there would be maybe one thing that was like that's pretty good but so many things that just felt like you're going through the motions and like a lot of it is because like in this tech technocracy that we're living in content is king so it doesn't matter if it's seven hours of bad shit it's seven more hours to add to the to the data and i felt like that's what wrestling was becoming just about creating data and not about entertaining your audience so uh i my challenge with this project was my goal was 90 minutes. Okay. I said, I want to create the only wrestling show this year. That is 90 minutes.
0: Because it's less than that. Is it even bigger accomplishment or are you disappointed that you don't have those extra 17 minutes?
1: Oh no. I'm so happy that it has 17 (laughs) less minutes. I patted myself on the back. I was like, Holy shit, dude, you did it. Um, uh, But it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a breeze to watch. It's, It, you know, it feels like an old school one hour wrestling program. I mean, we're a little over an hour, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not putting myself over here, but watching it, it doesn't feel like anything drags on, you know, the main event goes longer, you know, uh, the matches are the meat of the show, but the things in between the matches, which are of equal and important value help move it along quickly. And are entertaining and provocative and uh, going to really elicit strong emotions from the audience that it will help the show move faster. It's a very, very quick
0: 73 minutes. You just mentioned the word provocative. And I think that's a very good transition to what you're doing as of today. You're promoting the show via Grindr, which to me is just obvious. Like, that's a good idea. But I think you're the first to do this.
1: Um, I'm surprised that Effie didn't do this first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was the first person I thought of. I didn't, I don't think I've texted him. Um, what do you think of this? But yeah, I, okay. So like, I am really big into, I'm an independent wrestler. I love being an independent wrestler. I love that. I don't have to answer it to fucking anybody. Yeah. That's the best thing about this. Like I make my own rules. Um, and I really want it to be as queer and as gorilla of a promotion cycle as it's been. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I've done good. And to me, I know that there are a lot of men uh, and people of all genders on these sites that are not all incredibly uninterested in pro wrestling, but some that probably have an interest in pro wrestling. I know that there are people on these sites that have interest in ballroom. I know that uh, there are people of, of, of very different backgrounds. Why would I not use this tool that when I drive around throughout my day, I can interact with thousands of people just for them looking at my profile. And it's very colorful and intriguing. And what is a Paris is bumping and what is this hashtag? And then you Google it and you have all this information.
0: Okay, but you're young and smart. I think that's where the age really pops up because if I'm Denison's, if I'm the brewery outside of Washington, D.C., it's not that I don't want to work with a 25-year-old. I don't want to work with a wrestling promotion because all of the things that a wrestling promotion historically meant to an outsider is like sad white dudes that smell bad that live in their parents' basement. Like, that's the stereotype. It doesn't matter if it's true, right? Because you're the not that you're not a white guy in your parents basement and you're not old and you're actually a performer and you're not just a promoter that's going to like steal people's money. Um, And you went to the one brewery that is run that is LGBTQ uh, associated and probably gets that scene. So this goes back to the age thing and this goes back to the grinder thing. I feel like – this is more of a statement, obviously. I feel like you have an advantage that others aren't even seen because they're not living it, and that's it. Your age and your perspective is so unique, and it really shouldn't be. Does that make sense?
1: Well, yeah, because, like, the world's a shitty place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's so you know much I mean? money on the table, but the biggest promotion in the world – doesn't cater to a lot of people because they're trying to stay out of politics because... Uh, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started on those
1: assholes. Well, don't
0: worry. I literally wrote a book about it four years ago with Chris Kelly, who's written about you.
1: But that's not the point. The point uh, is this. Okay, uh, DM me, link me. I, I would like to read that. <laughs> I'll just make this quick statement. Absolutely. I'll just make this quick statement. Very frustrating that LGBT talent on mainstream television cannot say that they're queer. That is well, very frustrating.
0: That's me. not entirely true because now there's one wrestler in WWE that is is openly queer and literally it's part of her ring gear because it's nice to have one person. We could check that box. If we don't have Sonya Deville, we're bad people, but we have Sonya Deville. Therefore, we're fine. Does that make sense?
1: Until I hear the following words on WWE television or AEW television, they can all suck an egg.
0: Speaking Black, of sucking
1: an egg, African, American, Asian, what? Hispanic, yeah. gay, bi, trans, genderqueer, whatever. Well, until I hear the truth, yeah, that I'm not interested. I don't like alluding to it. Well, or Jake Atlas has to say people like me and just saying queer people. Yeah. Less syllables.
0: <laughs> and
1: Sonia Deville can have all the rainbows she fucking wants. <laughs> But until they can say, if she wins a championship, she is the first out uh, women's champion, which why wouldn't you want that for fucking marketing? I mean, Jesus Christ. Until I get that, I'm not giving them credit for any fucking thing.
0: Oh, no, no, I don't think you should. I don't think you should. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. What I want to know is, are you at all disappointed at the state of AEW were roughly a year in, Dynamite premiered a little bit more than a year ago, and I was holding out hope that they were going to be essentially the progressive answer to WWE. and I don't think that's true. I mean, didn't they say
1: they were going to be sports based? And we had Cats the Musical last week.
0: I love the Cats the Musical bit though, so <laughs> that was my favorite I mean, thing in I mean, pro wrestling in the 2020. Name of the game
1: of rest- The name of the game in wrestling is to be a liar. Never forget that. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I'm not surprised. It's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. It's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. It's a lot easier to go through the motions of booking one of us and then cooling us, heating us up to cool us down Mm -hmm. than it is to really sit down and come up with a good trajectory for what our character is and what the highs and the lows should be and what and 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 and, and what stories could be really unique to us. You All know right. absolutely and,
0: let's say Billy Dixon's things- five year trajectory, what is that in the ideal world as of today, five years from now, where are you? What are you doing?
1: Okay, let's say I got hired tomorrow by AW, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm and I like I'm one of the book, book, booker dudes because, uh, you know, no women book anything in mainstream wrestling. I would start me out like any queer talent. I would completely humanize me. But because the fan base won't see me as human because I'm queer. So you literally have to educate your audience by going, look, gays, they're just like us. And have me talk about being a wrestling fan and have me talk about video games and in my community, and in a way that I don't look physically uncomfortable while I'm saying that, because that's my critique of some of these humanization pieces. They're bad, And, and have me be relatable, and have superstars put me over, and have people talk about how great I am, and have me be associated with the best talent. That's me starting out my career. And I can lose all the time. That doesn't matter. Wins and losses are a completely uh, erroneous part of this thing. But it's, it's you know, put me in positions where I can succeed. Have me have matches in my first year or two where I'm earning the respect. Where the post-match handshake isn't just something that every match does. Mm-hmm. But we save that as a effective storytelling tool to create equity and equality for a queer performer like myself or anyone instead of it not even mattering because everyone does stuff like that. Then addressing my sexuality and saying that, hey, I may have a crush on a talent and it doesn't have to be weird and I don't have to become psycho Mickey James, but it could be a storyline where I develop feelings for a male talent and he's like, bro, I don't swing that way. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and, you know, a heel tries to take advantage of that. And then I have a partner because my friend had my back when I got jumped by heels trying to manipulate the situation. Because it's okay for heels to toy and to make light of sexual orientation and gender identity if you're going to put the baby face over, in my personal opinion. So now I have a tag team partner. Now I can tag with this tag team partner into years three. We went the tag team titles, we're a big deal. Now it's year four, it's time for my big main event push. My partner breaks up with me, not because I'm gay, but because he feels uh, overshadowed by me. He feels like I am or, or, or uh, uh, getting all of the spotlight and the attention because I'm unique and because I'm different. And because I've had this hero's journey. We don't have to even address sexuality at this point because I've been normalized for the past three years as an equal part of the program. Now I'm just one of the boys, for lack of a better term. And then from year four on out, it's just building me in serious blood fields and uh, uh, talent exhibition matches where I have to wrestle the best wrestlers on the company at the top of the card and deliver consistently until it's time for me to get an opportunity to either win or unsuccessfully challenge for my first world championship. And that's how you book a queer, queer wrestler for 5 years.
0: That's beautiful. That's perfect. That's so easy. There's money there.
1: It's not I mean, I don't think booking is difficult. <laughs> you know, I don't think this is I don't think this is pulling hair. I think a lot of it is that I understand that, you know, and I also read up on these things. I read the corporate sites of websites. A lot of it is yes, there is a network and they do have a say because it's, it's on their channel. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to, you know, placate to the ego of the veterans and the top talent. Yeah, I get all of that. But at the end of the day, if you decided as a company that you're gonna stand for certain things, then you better stand in it. And at some point, if the network says, no, we don't wanna do our storyline where we suggest that this talent is gay, you say, yes, we are. Because what's the difference between a gay character on a wrestling show, on TNT, and a gay character on a show like Claws? or Rizzoli and Isles, or a Law and Order rerun. What is the fucking difference? What is the difference on WWE NXT between a gay character on that on USA, or... Uh, Todd Crisley, who we all know what that is, or, you know, Psych or anything like that. Wrestling likes to keep itself heteronormative and homophobic as fuck because it can hide itself in that. Because the real thing is, if the entire audience and the world kind of gets to the realization that wrestling is actually very, very camp and very, very, very queer, that shakes the foundation
0: of putting over white dudes only. Do you think wrestling would have been more open if McMahon didn't succeed? No. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it it would be the same no matter what. I think it's going to take, maybe it's me, maybe it's somebody else. It's going to take somebody that is not of the same ilk to create a product that presents a challenge and a legitimate threat.
0: Is Paris' bumping a legitimate threat or is Paris' bumping going to be more of a calling card?
1: Uh, I will say this. I have received word that people at the Performance Center are very interested in watching it. I know that AEW talent have talked about it. There was AEW talent at the show, and I'm not saying that they're burying it or saying that it's better than their product. I'm not comparing this product to anything else because I know what this is. Um, I think Paris is bumping is a calling card, probably more so. And it's also a manifesto of, hey, queer babies, we don't have to assimilate. We can be super into our culture and be on par. I have a lot of high expectations of this show. And I really hope that the hard work that me and the team have done to promote and to create a very very viable, in my opinion, alternative product comes to fruition and the the facts and the views and the numbers are in our favor. I really hope so. I hope that it does well because we need these kind of victories for the, the movement of real queer representation.